Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you continue to show your mercy to us week by week as we look into your word together and by your Holy Spirit we are able to understand more and more about who you are and what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us in dying in place of our sins. Lord, we do pray that we may have your mercy once again this morning and may we be able to understand what you have written so long ago and may it be applicable to our lives and urge us to cling to your Son, Jesus Christ, all the more. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I think we all know that brothers and sisters will often protect one another, that they will look out for the health of the other. It may not be so much that they protect their brother or sister from themselves. Brothers and sisters are known to fight and inflict pain on one another. But it is interesting that brothers and sisters, as soon as a third party is introduced, there will be some rallying around that brother or sister who is being injured or hurt or in distress. I still remember when I was five, six years of age, we moved from Queensland, uh, where I was born, to New South Wales, and I went to a new school. I'd been to a school for about a year in Queensland, and we moved to a new school, and it was all too upsetting for me, and I hated going to school each morning. I would bore, I would cling to my mum and not want to go at all. But my sister, my older sister, I have two older sisters, my elder sister, realised that I was in great distress and came to my aid each morning and she would spend a bit of time with me before school began and make sure that I was comforted and settled and then at lunchtime she would look out for me and be a friendly face to me as I was quite confused about where I was in this school and this new town where I hadn't, uh, hadn't been used to before. And so my sister looked out for me and I still remember that to this day even though I was so young at the time. And this morning we're going to look at a situation where a brother does look out for another brother. One brother is in danger and another brother comes to the aid and looks out for that brother. And that is contained for us in the passage that we're looking at this morning in Genesis chapter 43 and we'll be looking at chapter 44 as well. And the brother that is in danger is Benjamin, this man called Benjamin. And so that's my first main point this morning. Benjamin is in danger. Benjamin is one of the sons of Jacob, of Israel, uh, who, of course, is uh, the grandson of Isaac and the great-grandson of Abraham, the Abraham we know so well from the book of Genesis, the one who God blessed immensely and made his covenant with, that he would uh, continue to bless Abraham and his descendants for generations to come. This this great-grandson of Abraham, Benjamin, is in danger. And that's my first main point this morning. Benjamin is in danger. And in fact, the whole Israelite family is in danger because of a famine. And we read about that famine, which has come in previous chapters in Genesis, that the famine was quite severe. And we read in chapter 43, verse 1, page 45 of your black church Bibles, page 45, Genesis chapter 43, we read, Now the famine was still severe in the land. This famine had gone on for years and years, and people were starting to run out of food quite desperately. And the Israelites have had a temporary respite from the famine through the grain that they received earlier when they made their first trip down to Egypt and met the ruler of Egypt at that time, who they are unaware is Joseph, their other brother. 
And so they've had some grain and they've been able to spend some time in their own country and survive the famine somewhat. But they still need to go down to Egypt again to get some more grain because the grain that they have received previously has now run out. And that requires going down to Egypt where the king of Egypt, the leader of Egypt, Joseph, has not been very friendly in the past. And they know that they are in great danger if they go back because the grain that they received last time they brought back along with the silver that they were meant to have paid for that grain. And so it's actually that they've stolen grain and silver from the Egyptians. And so they're quite scared to go back. And also they're meant to go back with this brother Benjamin, the leader of Egypt. Joseph has inquired intently about their brother Benjamin and has said that they must come back down with Benjamin. He says that in verse 43, uh, chapter 43, verse 3. Uh, I'll read from verse 2, though, that we see that they eat up all the grain. Verse 2 says, So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little more food. They have to go back down to Egypt if they're going to survive. Then in verse 3, But Judah said to him, that's his father, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you, that is Benjamin. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. Because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother, that's Benjamin, is with you. And so they need to take Benjamin down. And it sounds very ominous. Why is this man so interested in Benjamin? What might he do to Benjamin? And Israel, Benjamin's father, is quite concerned for Benjamin's safety. And we actually see that when uh, we're uh, back in chapter 42, where Jacob speaks about his reluctance to send Benjamin down to Egypt. Chapter 42. Uh, chapter 42 of Genesis, verse 38, we read, But Jacob said, My son, Benjamin, will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, that's Joseph, and he is the only one left. Benjamin is the only one left, particularly from this uh, wife of Israel, who is Rachel. He, she only had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my grey head down to the grave in sorrow. Israel is quite concerned for the safety of Benjamin. But he knows that we're running out of grain. So what is he to do? What are they to do? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Judah offers himself as a substitute. He offers himself as a substitute. Benjamin's brother Judah promises his father to go with Benjamin and guarantee his safety and look after him or otherwise bear the blame. And we read that in verses 8 and following in chapter 43. Chapter 43 we read, Then Judah said to Israel his father, Send the boy Benjamin along with me, and we will go at once, so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him if I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you. I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Judah steps up and says, okay, you're concerned about sending your son Benjamin down there, but I will guarantee his safety, and if I don't, I will bear the blame for losing him for the rest of my life. And so 
As a result of Judah's offer, we see that Judah ends up going to Benjamin, uh, going with Benjamin to Egypt. We read in verse 11 of chapter 43, Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift, a little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother, Benjamin, also, and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the brothers leave with Benjamin and go down to Egypt. And things go very well in Egypt. If you flick over to chapter 44, they actually end up leaving Egypt and they leave with food and all of them intact. Chapter 44, verse 3, it says, As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They have been sent by the leader of Egypt. There's a a bit of a feasting that happens, and of course they get the grain, and they are sent on their way. But then something terrible happens. The wrath of the leader of Egypt comes upon Benjamin in particular because of a cup that shows up. A cup appears. And so we read that from chapter 44, verse 4, through to verse 15. We read, They had not gone far from the city with their grain that they'd got down from Egypt, when Joseph, that's the leader of Egypt, said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. That's the brothers. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves." So they've been accused of stealing, and in particular, a silver cup that has disappeared from Joseph's house. And the brothers say, okay, we, we, we com- we're completely innocent. You will not find that cup with us. And if you do, that person will die, and the rest of us will become your slaves. And so we continue to read in verse 10, Very well then, he said, that's the servant, Let it be as you say, whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this they tore their clothes, then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? So we see things were progressing well, but things have taken a turn for the worst, and particularly for Benjamin. He is the one with the cup. He is the one who is to be put to death, or at least become the slave. He is the one that is in great danger here. And what can they do to prevent this? Well, Judah, older brother Judah, steps up 
and tries to intervene. He tries to intercede on behalf of his brother. And we read that in chapter 44, verse 16 through verse 32. We read his plea to the king, uh, to the leader of Egypt. Chapter 44, verse 16, we read, What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves, we ourselves, and the one who was found to have the cup. So he acknowledges they're in great danger. Verse 17, But Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. The rest of you can go. Benjamin will stay here. Verse 18, Then Judah went up to him and said, Please, my lord, let your servant speak a word to my lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, so I can see him for myself. And we said to my lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves, his father, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my lord had said. Then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. But we said, We cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, He has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my grey head down to the grave in misery. Here we see Judah outlining the background to this problem that has happened and the background with the father loving Benjamin desperately and so we see Judah offering himself as a substitute here. He comes to intercede on behalf of his brother. Verse 30, so now if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant my father and if my father whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the grey head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. Joseph, as my second main point this morning says, Joseph, uh, Judah offers himself as a substitute. He shows great concern, not for himself. He shows concern for the father. Very interesting. He is grieved about how his father will react if Benjamin is lost. He shows concern for the other son as well. He is concerned for Benjamin and Benjamin's safety in the future. And so Judah offers himself up in place of Benjamin. This is something that is far better than what most children will do for their brothers or sisters. My sister spent a little bit of time looking after me in a new school. 
She did not put her life on the line or offer herself as a slave instead of me. This is a wonderful act of Judah to put himself in the place of Benjamin and offer to be a substitute for the pain that Benjamin deserves for this cup being found in his sack. So what is the result of Judah's offer to be a substitute for Benjamin? What happens next? Well, my third main point this morning says that the both brothers survive. Both brothers survive. We read in chapter 45, verse 1, what happens next. It says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard with heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Joseph reveals himself as not just the leader of Egypt, but as their brother. And he then is very kind to them, looks after them, and he then enables them to come down to Egypt and survive through the famine and come down with their father. Flip with me over to page 48 of Genesis, chapter 45, verse 19. Joseph says, You are also directed to tell them... Oh, no, this is um, Pharaoh, sorry. Pharaoh says in verse 19, You are also directed to tell them, this is your brothers, do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of all Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away and as they were leaving he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is the ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, And when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. There's a happy ending to this story. Judah survives. Benjamin survives. Joseph, who was thought was dead, survives. Jacob survives. His his grey head does not go down to the grave. He is not aggrieved by the death of Benjamin. Instead, They live happily from this time forward. So the question is, is how is this Israelite lesson helpful for us today? Is this just something that is interesting for Jews to read or is it something that is helpful for us as Christians to read and learn from? And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at with my fourth main point that you also are in danger. Benjamin was in great danger. He was in danger of losing his life. But you also are in great danger. A leader demands your life, and that leader is the King of Kings, God himself. Romans 3.23 teaches us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in danger because of our sin of being eternally punished for what we have done. There is a great leader 
His name is God. And we all need to appear before him and account for what we have done. There is a cup, a cup of God's wrath, that we deserve to drink because of our sin. We are in terrible danger. Yes, we have a temporary reprieve, just like the Israelite family. They had some grain that could sustain them for a little while, but eventually they had to go down to Egypt again and appear before the leader. And at this time, this day, we have a temporary reprieve. Whilst we do not appear before the leader, before God himself, before the King of Kings, we have time to spare here on earth. But it doesn't last forever. The Bible teaches us that man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. Hebrews 9.27 We are destined not to stay on this earth forever, but we are destined to die. And when we die, we face judgment. We finally go before the leader, before the king, and have to give an account for why we have sinned against him. And we will be eternally punished, the Bible tells us. Unless there's another way unless something can happen for us. And that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. Jesus of Judah offers himself as a substitute. Jesus of Judah offers himself as a substitute. Another member of the tribe of Judah offers himself as a substitute, and that is Jesus. Jesus is descended from this very man, Judah, in Genesis. You have to go down many, many generations, but you eventually get there. Jesus is from Judah, and as Judah offered to literally bear the sins that would be committed in Benjamin going down to Egypt and being held by the king of Egypt down there, by uh, Joseph, for the rest of his life, so also Jesus bears our sin. It's interesting the way the Hebrew actually writes what Judah says in Genesis chapter 43, verse 9. Genesis chapter 43, verse 9. Flip back with me, page 45. Judah says, I myself will guarantee his, Benjamin's safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the... Now, in the Hebrew, that word that's translated blame there is the common word that is usually translated throughout the Hebrew Old Testament as sin, the normal word for sin. He will bear the sin before you all my life. And then in chapter 44, verse 32, we read, Judah speaking again, he said, Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, If I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the sin again. He says sin before you, my father of all my life. He offers himself as a sin bearer and to take the place of his brother Benjamin. And so the Holman translation does say, I will be guilty before you forever. That's their translation. I will be guilty before you forever. That sounds remarkably what, like what Jesus does for us. He is the sin bearer for us. He is our substitute. Instead of the sin and the wrath of God being poured out upon us, Jesus takes that wrath for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, 
so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus bore the sin that we deserve. He took the cup that we deserve. Like Judah was willing to take the cup, the the sin that was associated with stealing that cup, he was willing to have the wrath poured out on him instead. Why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus offer himself as a substitute for us? Similar concerns were in Jesus' mind as Judah had for his brother Benjamin. Why did Judah offer himself? He was concerned for the father. He was concerned for Israel. He was concerned that it would grieve Israel if Benjamin was lost. Why did Jesus come and die in our place? His love for the father. His concern for the father. The father is grieved that so many people in this world rebel against him. It does not please God when people sin against him. It grieves him. And Jesus, out of his love for the Father and out of his love for his brothers, us, he offers himself as a substitute. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering to God, Ephesians 5 tells us. And so Jesus, well, Judah is like Jesus. Well, Jesus is like Judah. Judah points to Jesus as a substitute that would come and bear sin and do it out of love for the father and for the brother. So if Jesus offers himself in our place, is there a happy ending? Remember in this narrative that we've looked at this morning, Judah and Benjamin and Israel, the father, they all survived. There's a happy ending. Is there a happy ending? Well, that brings me to my sixth main point this morning. Both you and Jesus can survive. Both you and Jesus can survive. Like Judah and Benjamin, both you and your brother Jesus can survive. Jesus was put to death. Judah never actually had to bear the wrath of the king because Joseph revealed himself. But Jesus did bear the wrath that we deserve. But Jesus... He's not just human, he's also God. And he was able to bear that wrath and survive. He was able to bear the wrath of God and then come back to life. And so both Jesus survives. If you had borne the wrath of God, you would not survive. But Jesus bears that wrath, survives, and you survive because the sin that you deserve to be punished for has been cleansed, has been removed through Jesus' actions. You are raised to life too with Jesus. And put before the Father by Jesus. Remember, that's what Judah promised his father. I will, I guarantee, I will put Benjamin before you again. And that's what Jesus does with us. He takes us and puts us before the Father. And we are at peace with God. So we see a type of Jesus in Judah. Judah points to Jesus. Judah is Judah and Jesus is from Judah. It's very interesting that it's Judah, who Jesus is descended from, that offers himself as a substitute so long ago for a brother. We see Jesus was raised to life, proving... uh, No, we see a brother is in danger and a brother offers his own life as a substitute. The danger is intensified because of a cup, which we understand is God refers to his wrath being as in a cup, the cup of God's wrath. 
and we see the purpose of the substitute is to bring the brother out of danger back to the father. And the substitution is done ultimately out of love for the father and also for the brother, just like Jesus loves us and loves the father and so he substitutes himself. And like in this story, we see both brothers survive. We also see both you and Jesus survive with Jesus as your substitute. So the question is, will you survive the wrath of the leader of this world? Because you have a substitute. God the Father has shown great love by sending his Son to be our substitute. God the Son has come and shown his great love by being that substitute. Will you ignore such great love? Or will you, re- will you instead really try to face the king without a substitute? What are you to do if you want Jesus to be your substitute? If you want to be saved and have Jesus bear your wrath, well, you need to turn from your sin. You need to acknowledge you're a sinner, that you are sorry for your sins, and trust that Jesus Christ is your substitute, that he bears the sin for you, because you cannot bear it alone and survive. You need Christ. So I encourage you this morning, if you have never had Jesus as your substitute, do it this morning. Trust that Jesus Christ died for you. Look at the example of Judah here that points then to the wonderful substitute, the greatest of all substitutes of all time. Brother Jesus taking our sin for us because we cannot survive otherwise. Let us speak to our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you loved us so much that you sent your Son into this world to die for us. We thank you for his love, that he willingly gave his life so that your wrath could be appeased. We thank you that he follows that tradition of Judah offering his life so many years ago for Benjamin. Lord, we pray that we may accept Jesus' marvellous offer and have him as our substitute so that we can go free and not suffer your wrath for all eternity. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.